New information tonight about a body found in the chimney of an abandoned cabin in Woodland Park. The coroner's office confirms it is a man who disappeared seven years ago. Construction crews found the remains of Joshua Maddox in the chimney as they were preparing to demolish it. Investigators say Maddox may have been trying to shimmy down that chimney and got stuck. Generation X Paranormal. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back. Hey, everybody. So today's episode is, it's as perplexing as it is heartbreaking. Um, you know, if you guys have, you guys have seen the picture or whatever it is, the thumbnail that we have up, you know what it's about. Um, it's the disappearance of Joshua Maddox. Um, but before we get into that, if you could, uh, however you're watching us, listening to us or whatever it is, please do us a favor, like subscribe, whatever it is, because, you know, we don't really have any sponsorship or anything. This is just us doing it. So any bit helps. So yeah, if you could, that'd be great. You know, but, uh, yeah, Joshua Maddox, um, you know, we'll get into a lot of the particulars, but, um, and you're going to find it is, it is heartbreaking. It, it is awful, but mm -hmm. <sighs> The, the whole situation is, well, it is why we have a show on it. It's just, mm -hmm. it's perplexing. It is definitely paranormal. Yeah, without a doubt. But Joshua Maddox, he was an 18-year-old. Uh, he was about six foot tall, 150 pounds, uh, had long hair. Um, you know, just kind of a really easygoing kid. I think uh, most most people who knew him, they loved him. They thought he was a very easygoing guy. Mm -hmm. um, he wrote... He wrote in his spare time, loved to play guitar, and he was very well known in school. And he has a he had a very high IQ, so he was mm -hmm. a very they were a very bright kid. Um, and his parents they were they were divorced, uh, but he lived with his father and his two sisters. Uh, his father's name was Mike, and his uh, two sisters were Kate and Ruth. And they lived in Woodland Park, Colorado. And it's a pretty small town, about I think seventy five hundred people, mm -hmm. and it's in the Pike National Forest near, near Teller County, Colorado. Um, now we actually went there, gosh, how many years now that area? It's been a long, it's been a long a time. A few years. Yeah. But that, that is a beautiful area. But what we can tell you, it is very, uh, not very populated. There's a lot of empty space. Yes. <laughs> yes, there is. Which, which will come into play with the, the overall story, um, and the events that, that happened. Mm -hmm. But, um, anyway, kind of getting into it on May 8th of 2008 he told his sister kate that he was gonna go out for a walk which this wasn't uncommon for him because he, he loved the outdoors he's kind of an he's an outdoors kid mm -hmm. and i think for a lot of people that live in that area that's probably pretty common i would say that hiking going out oh yeah um we have family from colorado and that's what they do they just mm -hmm. hike they love doing it it must be in the water or something but <laughs> <laughs> but anyway um you know he was out and he didn't return that evening but he would sometimes go out and camp in the woods and that, that just wasn't really, you know, it wasn't really off color for him. Right. Um, his family felt, well, you know, he probably did this from time to time, went mm -hmm. out camping and, you know, maybe he didn't have the forethought to let him know ahead of time. He just said, hey, this is a pretty cool place to camp out. So, you know, just hang out here for a while. But as the days kept passing, things, things started to come a little bit tense for the family. And it's after five days, they really began to worry. So his dad decided to call the police on May 13th to report him missing. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So we've got from the 8th to the 13th. That's a total of, what, five days. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think I think that's a good amount of time. I think if it my family, they probably would have called, like, the day after. Just, you know. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's my mom. She would have, you know, she listens, so sorry, mom. I'm going to call you out. <laughs> <laughs> but um, at any rate, they, they conducted a search, people, and, of course, the police. Uh, they went into the area for weeks, and then, then that went into months, but... You know, nobody ever found him, nor did they even find a clue where he had gone. And the hope of finding him was beginning to fade. And, you know, his sister, Kate, made a post online saying, quote, Since Josh was 18, it had been reasonable to assume that he may have decided to leave town to start a new life. As one of his two older sisters, I've always chosen to believe that this was the case. I have expected Josh to return home to my father's house at any time with a wife and small children so that he can meet their grandparents and two aunts. Josh has always been known for his musical and literary talent. So maybe he would find, you know, he would find him playing music with a band on tour or, or catch him writing successful novels under a pen name uh, so that he could keep his preferred lifestyle of solitude in the woods. Now the family didn't believe there were any trouble and had no concern of his mental health. But two years prior to this in 2006, Josh's older brother, Zach had committed suicide. Uh, Josh took his death as, as I would imagine anybody would as a shock. And it was really hard on him, but mm-hmm. the, uh, the family said he seemed to be doing well and, and he had been fairly happy right before his disappearance. So, but the, the police didn't suspect any criminal activity and they listed him as a missing persons. And they did continue to search and keep the uh, missing persons file open. So um, they didn't close it. It's not a close or a cold case. But um, at this particular point, they hadn't assumed any foul play. Um, you know, he's, he was a missing, missing, missing person. person. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to go a little bit forward a few years to 2015. Okay. And there was a man named Chuck Murphy, and he was a builder from Colorado Springs. Right. And he was demolishing his old wood cabin that was in like a large area of land surrounded right. by tall pine trees. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, the cabin had not been used since, like, 2005 when his brother had lived in the cabin. Oh, that's 10 years of complete vacancy. Mm-hmm. Jeez. So, since the cabin was falling apart, Chuck just decided to tear it down, yeah. and he was going to prepare the land for a property development in August of that year. Okay. okay. Yeah, that makes sense. There had been animals entering the cabin and tearing it up, so it had always been, like, a problem sure. for him. Yeah. You know, it's out in the woods. I mean, that. That's yeah. a big thing, you know, spiders, all that stuff. Yeah. But for some reason, he said the cabin always had an awful smell. Okay. 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 Yeah. Now, as he began to tear down the chimney and he got to the interior part of it, he found the body of a young man cramped into a fetal position with his legs above his head. Now, that's a very important part to remember mm-hmm. in this story. Now... Chuck called the police and they arrived with the county coroner. Mm-hmm. And after a forensic odontologist used dental records, they were able to positively identify the body to be that of Joshua Maddox. Yeah. So he had been found seven years after his disappearance, and it was less than a mile from his family's home. God, first of all, that's heartbreaking mm-hmm. because you think about the family, yeah, like thinking he's like right here right. this whole time. And, you know, seven years later, you, you know, they've probably, you know, if you see these search parties and these things, you know, they, they just 
scour the globe in mm-hmm. a certain area and how frustrating it's got to be to know they were just right there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, Al Bourne, who was the county coroner, did an autopsy and he found no evidence of any drugs in Josh's system. And when he spoke to the press, he said, quote, the hard tissue showed no signs of trauma. There were no broken bones, no knife marks. There were no bullet holes. There is so far no answer to a number of things. It is very confusing. It was not an instant death. Mm. How he died is only a matter of speculation, but we know he did not starve to death because that takes many weeks. Right. So then you go down the chain and you have dehydration, which can take just a few days, and the other thing would be hypothermia, which could take a day or two. We have no evidence to say which one com- came first. Right. So that, that's so we know it wasn't instantaneous. Um, yeah. He suffered. Yeah, and that's in some way, shape, shape or form. That's all, that's got to be such a heart wrenching thing to come to terms with it for the family too, because not only did he. He was less than a mile. He was less than a mile away, and there was a very good chance that if they would have found, they him, would have found him. He may have survived. May have. I mean, we don't know, right? You know exactly what got him there. We'll cover that here in a minute, mm-hmm. but that that's got to be frustrating. So the cabin was only two blocks away from the the family home, but for some reason, all the searches overlooked the cabin. Okay. <laughs> I guess it looked abandoned and there was like no signs of life, you know, from within the cabin. They just skipped it over, which is kind of crazy to me. They just walked past it. How does that make any sense? When you see an old, old broken down cabin, wouldn't you check that? Well, sure. I mean, if it's within the radius of where you're looking. Unless they looked in the windows and didn't see him and then just kept passing. That could be. Sure. Maybe the first go around, right? Yeah. But this kid's been missing for seven years. Well, unfortunately, you know. Probably expired long before that, but you know, at least in the first beginning part when they're looking for him, okay, you, you do your you first search, you, you don't search find, everything. Right. You search everything. I mean, I remember the the fugitive Tommy Lee Jones search every in house, out house. You know, he's like they're committed. They gotta find this kid and they Yeah. You know. I mean, you hear about this stuff all the time though. No, like, I know. You're right. You do. It's crazy. And I guess the cabin kind of stood in the center of this very large like tract of land basically and it was all surrounded by tall pine trees and it was about 50 feet away from the road so that's significant enough that people weren't really paying attention i guess they wouldn't even know it was back there yeah i mean i don't know you know and if they passed it at night they may not have seen it i don't know but and the police suggested that with no homes close this is sad if Josh had cried out for help, no one would have been able to hear him. Mm-hmm. That's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> On September 28th, 2015, it was found that Joshua Maddox died of an accidental death, air quotes. Yeah. Bourne, who was the coroner, thinks that Josh had climbed down the chimney and became lodged in the brickwork. He concluded that the most likely cause of death was hypothermia because the temperature around that time of year had dropped to 21 degrees Fahrenheit. Freezing to death, basically. Right. But even still, I mean, okay, yes, he's freezing to death, but it's it's a brick. It's, it's a brick um, 
big fireplace. Yeah. So there's some inherent insulation. I mean, it's not comfortable. No, but 20, it's below freezing. Yeah. Gosh, that's awful. Well, Chuck Murphy, the cabin owner, didn't agree with the coroner's findings. Okay. Uh, Born had said that Josh's position in the chimney appeared to have been voluntary act in order to gain access. Uh, I, I, I chuckle a little bit cause I'm going to explain yeah. why. Um, so Chuck stated that he would, it would have been impossible for him to get in the chimney, uh, that way. Cause before during the construction, it had been fitted with a steel rebar, uh, kind of cap. It's like a couple of bricks down from the very top, mm-hmm. but he had a wire rebar mesh. So that, cause I guess they were concerned there would be like animals and debris getting lodged in the chimney. Yeah. So he created in essence, a screen to keep things out. Mm-hmm. Now rebar is nothing small. I mean, that's, no. you know, and if you're making a mesh of this thing, you're not going to just push through it. No. no. But anyway, that's, and, and he said in quote, it was a heavy wire grate, a wire mesh. I installed it across the chimney, about one row of bricks from the top. Like I said, um, we didn't want trouble from raccoons and, you know, getting things inside the chimney. Now, I would imagine that even with even with that there, I'm sure they still get, you know, spiders and things like that. But yeah, but the bigger rodents. And right. Stuff. And certainly yeah. not an 18 year old, 150 pounds, six foot tall. Chi- uh, I shouldn't say child, but, you know, boy, mm-hmm. man. I mean, you know, yeah. 18. So and what's he going to so much trouble to get into this cabin? Right. <laughs> and this will this will get even more interesting yeah. as we go. Uh, Born replied that the grate could have been rusted or corroded, and uh, he says that nobody saw the metal mesh. We didn't see any of it in our photos, and it may have disappeared. Um, that just yeah. sounds like a we probably lost evidence type or, of thing. Or they just never saw it, or or maybe, I don't know. I mean. Yeah, he's saying that they never saw it when they were first doing their investigation. I don't know. Well, Chuck said during the demolition of the cabin, all of the metal had been collected and put on the back of a truck to be taken to scrap, uh, which they didn't see uh, see any near the chimney. So, so he, had, he had already demolished part of right. it. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But Bourne decided to reopen the case three days later after this first conclusion. I wonder why. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of those where I think with corners, they have to... They kind of have to go with the evidence that they see there. I mean, that's kind of yeah. their job, right? Right. Um, and it's a good thing he did reopen the case because he at least conceded to the fact that, hey, this may not be exactly how it appears. Right, right. So other than that, there were other things that didn't make sense. Oh, no. Yeah, okay. for sure. So when Chuck was taking apart the cabin, he also noticed that a large wooden breakfast bar had been torn from the wall and I guess it was in the kitchen and right. it was dragged over to block the chimney <laughs> from inside the cabin. So the fireplace basically right. had been blocked. Right. So that nothing could come in the cabin. There's right? absolutely nothing suspicious about that. Right. Because, you know, that's a normal thing to do. You just rip things from the wall to block your fireplace. Yeah. Now, Josh's body had also been found in a fetal position, mm-hmm. remember, mm-hmm. with his legs above his head. So but they were disjointed from his torso. Hmm. Okay. Now in order for him to get in a position like that, he would had to have entered the chimney head first is what they're saying. Basically. Okay. Who goes down a chimney head first? No. one. And he was very intelligent. So we're not talking about 
At least not at will. Right, right. So it was such an unusual position for him to be in. And the coroner had commented earlier that he thought it would have taken two people to position him in such a way before. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Two people. Mm -hmm. When Josh's body had been found, he had been found wearing only a thin thermal shirt. His clothes had been found inside the cabin, (laughs) folded up next to the fireplace. So for a second, let's hash this out for a second. There was a wire grate at the top. Yep. He was in, in a fetal position. Yep. With his legs, yes. Okay. Wearing no clothes that were inside the cabin already. Yep. And the thing had been blocked where he couldn't even enter in the first place. So let's go back and rewind for just a second. The coroner first stated that he did this in order to gain access. So if you're trying to gain access. Why do you go in in the cabin, take your clothes off, right. pull that block the thing. Well, you know, not just take your clothes off, fold them. Because from my yeah. understanding, they were folded up yeah. really nice and neat. So I'm going to, you got to listen to the complete asinine story here. I am going to go into this cabin, right? Yeah. I am going to disrobe. I'm going to fold all my stuff in a nice little pile. I'm going to rip a a breakfast table table from a wall higher prop it so that nothing can get in from the chimney and then Uh, i'm gonna go outside right climb up on the roof freezing cold and dive into the fireplace ass over tea kettle right into the the fireplace yes Yes. um no so the coroner he said this one really taxed our brains we Uh found his clothing just outside the firebox He only had on a thermal t-shirt. We don't know why he took his clothes off, took his shoes and socks off, and why he went outside, climbed on the roof, and went down the chimney. It was not linear thinking. (laughs) Doesn't sound very intelligent. (laughs) I mean... I don't know. I think for for a coroner, I think I would want better... uh, A little... You know, honestly, I don't know the guy. Al Boring may be a great stand-up guy, but um, if your final... Final dis. I mean, this was after they had to reopen it, so initially yeah. he didn't even think anything. No, he's it like, doesn't make any sense. It makes perfect sense for a kid to be out with his, you know, his, you know what, in the air and his legs. It's just, it makes no sense. You know what? It, it's awful. So the coroner had also mentioned that several calls had been made to both the police and coroner's office, suggesting leads and naming suspects that had bragged of killing Josh. Hmm. There was one main suspect, though he was unnamed, and he was now spending time in a Texas jail and had previous time in Seattle and Portland prisons with a long list of violent criminal behavior. The tips had told Bourne of how he was the last man to have been seen with Josh, but Bourne could not place him at the crime scene. When speaking of the man, he said, quote, they can't give me times and specifics, and we can't generate stuff that goes back seven years, which... That's true. Yeah. I mean, I get that. Yeah. I, I, I guess I shouldn't find fault in that in that rationale. Mm-hmm. But still, it's just, well. Now, in two, 2015, there was a Reddit post. I uh, love me some Reddit. Mm-hmm. 
sometimes. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> but this one was interesting and it's very long. Okay. So this is all quoted from the post. Jeez. Okay. Okay. I went to high school with this skinny, dorky hippie named Andy who played guitar in a band. I was never good friends with him or anything, but a year or so after I graduated, one of my good friends, Josh, started hanging out with him and then went missing. Turns out that in addition to becoming a lot scarier looking, Andy had indeed headed down to New Mexico where he found himself shooting the shit apologize for the curse word with the caretaker of a disabled guy and got invited over to their apartment. The caretaker gets in the shower and when he comes back out, the disabled guy is stabbed to death and Andy's gone. (laughs) When Andy got arrested, he also claimed to have killed a woman in Taos. How do you say that? Taos. Taos. And stuffed her body in a barrel. Hmm. The cops had indeed found a woman stuffed in a barrel and, house but already had somebody in custody for it and decided to stick with that guy instead years later i found out that the caretaker had died in a bar fight and without him the cops didn't have much in the way of evidence somehow so that case against andy was dropped too several of us went to the cops saying i love this because this is such a teenager thing to say (laughs) yo josh who went missing was last seen with andy Who's a murderer? Maybe you should check that out. Yeah. Doesn't that sound? Yeah, it does. Yo, <laughs> At that time dude. period, yeah. <laughs> Despite a fair amount of pestering, nothing ever really came of it. And by nothing, I mean that the police mostly didn't even return our calls. And once accidentally canceled the bulletin on Josh because, quote, he's alive and well and living in the next town over. <laughs> Which he wasn't. No. He was actually in the chimney of an, an abandoned cabin like two blocks from his parents' house. The coroner said the body had been there for about seven years and ruled the death accidental, concluding that Josh had probably climbed down the chimney in an attempt to break into the house and gotten stuck, which, given the age of the corpse, doesn't seem overly ridiculous, except for the fact that in addition to Josh having last been seen with Andy, immediately before his stabbing spree, people called in to report having heard rumors that Andy was bragging about having, quote, put Josh in a hole, Mm. end quote. Wow. Somebody had ripped a heavy bar off the wall in the kitchen and propped it against the fireplace, or the fact that Josh's stuff was already inside the cabin, meaning he'd already broken in and would have had to lock himself out to have to go go for the chimney and... He might have noticed that either the flu or the big bar would have prevented him from getting in through the fireplace or the fact that when he was found, Josh's knees were above his head, which sounds to me like he would have had to go in head first. Or maybe the fact that Josh was barefoot and naked from the waist down. This is just my opinion, but I don't care who you are. You don't try to climb head first into a chimney via a hole rusted through a metal grate with your... I'm going to leave this part out. (laughs) Penis hanging out, but he yeah. used the other word. Right. As far as I can tell, nobody even bothered to call Andy to ask if he knew anything. By the way, from what I hear, Andy's still out and about doing his thing when he's not in the mental hospital. All I'm saying is, I wish they had done some police shit. <laughs> Open an investigation. Try to track down some leads. Interview some of the folks who've been calling in tips for the last seven years. Maybe check for some semen or something. I don't know. Don't just say accidental. Dust off your hands and call it a day. (laughs) 
that was the entire Reddit post. So somebody was very angry. Which you think? No, yeah, I'd be angry too. Yeah. It makes, I mean, he he kind of wraps it in a nice little bow, this person. And you know, small towns. I, I'm from a small town. Mm-hmm. People talk. Everybody knows everybody's business. Yes, they do. And they will find out stuff, especially if somebody has a mental illness and they're going around bragging about stuff and they have a, vi- you know, have a history of violence. Right. I mean, yeah. it's most likely this person, right? I mean, it just, how do you not come to that conclusion? I know. And I, I, I looked around a little bit, did a little bit of research about who this Andy person could be, okay? Mm-hmm. So there was a guy by the name of Andrew Richard Newman. Newman. <laughs> Newman. 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 Seinfeld. <laughs> in case you don't know. Right. He was arrested on suspicion of a fatal stabbing in New Mexico that went exactly as the Reddit post described. Mm. Okay. Now, during high school, he had played guitar in a band named the Bombers, and he was also well-known and well-liked. Yeah. Now, in the article about his arrest for the New Mexico stabbing, there were several replies from users who had gone to school with him that described him as, quote, intelligent and a very smart guy. But although he seems to have left the state, and traveled around the country after graduating high school, he kept in contact with many of his old friends. Mm. Wow. So that has the same description to it as what, the way people described Josh. Yep. He played guitar. Yep. He was kind of probably like a grungy guy, yeah. you know, like in the grunge stuff. Sure. And I would imagine, I mean, those two sound like they could become friends. Well. Because of what they were into. Yeah, I mean, they, they're definitely within that same mm-hmm. era, mm-hmm. you know. Um, it's just, uh, I, I guess for me, I am just absolutely appalled that first of all, that you have a crime scene, you know exactly what it looks like, but you're still going to go with, it was an accidental death. Yeah. Well, because they didn't, I mean, I think a lot of the time they don't have enough evidence, so they just do that, but there's no way. How could you say that was accidental? And that's the thing. They do have evidence. Now, it may not be evidence of another person being there. Right. But you have to. Okay. Uh, My job, my daily routine. But you couldn't couldn't say that was suicide. No. I mean, that's the only other thing that you could say beside a homicide would be suicide. And that is just that is the most complicated way. Well, to ever commit suicide that I've ever heard of. Here's my personal belief, right? I was getting ready to say in my day-to-day job, I I I'm I'm an analyst basically. I'm a, I'm a network engineer, but I'm at that point where everything I do is more analytical. And even when you approach something with an analytical mind, you have to go, okay, there are certain things that are going to point you certain ways, right? Mm-hmm. Um so if you go into this crime scene, now, you may not have evidence of another person there, but you have to go through some kind of deduction, right? Yeah. If if you find a body in, a, in the position that it was in, you, you have to assume, at least I would think you'd have to assume that he did not get there that way on his own. No. Um, he's a smart kid. So that's deduction number one. And then all of his clothes are folded up nicely Mm -hmm. there in the cabin. 
Which I'm trying to figure, that's the part I'm trying to figure out. Was this something, well, obviously they said there was no physical signs of any kind of abuse against him. Right. So the guy didn't, or the girl, I mean, we're going to assume it was a guy. Right. If it was this Andy guy, didn't do anything to him in that. So no. he basically made him undress, probably knowing that he would freeze to death. And in his sick mind was like, oh, let's stick him in the chimney and then he can freeze to death in there. That's the only thing I can think of, like a, a sadistic um, mindset. Yeah, I mean, for sure, whoever would. Well, yeah, you know. anybody would, but that's the only reason reasoning for that. And then, okay, what if he gets out of this position? So let's block it off where he can't. The only way he can get out of the fireplace is up, which is impossible to climb. Yeah. I mean. So he's blocked it from the ends inside so he can't get in the cabin or get out the only way to get out would be climbing up which he can't do no i mean so it was i mean it was definitely planned out like if i do this and this and this these will be the results and let's just again and and i know his family's still out there and i know they're grieving i mean it's still i'm sure with it being you know it's heartbreaking it's heartbreaking to think that, you know, a member of your family left this world that way. But, you know, they had already experienced suicide once before in that family. Mm-hmm. So let's just, just for a minute, let's let's play devil's advocate and say, okay, was he, was he at a point where he wanted to end his, his life as well? Um, you know, unfortunately, we'll never know that. Um, but I, I guess for me, I would find that to be such an awful way to, go well yeah why would you do that to yourself i mean if he seemed jovial he was a nice kid everybody liked him um you would think he had a good he thought of himself enough to to play guitar to write he didn't seem like again never met him don't know for sure this is all just from stuff that we that you research but descriptions of what his family said at the time right and like i said earlier that's a complicated way to try to commit suicide. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, he's in the woods. I can think of probably a million other ways right. to do it. Just take your clothes off outside and lay outside. <laughs> yeah. If the bears don't get you, the mosquitoes will. You know what I mean? Yeah. Why I just go through this whole production. It doesn't make any sense. No, it, it really doesn't. And you know, you look at you look at the the overall picture, the thirty thousand foot view, so to speak, right? I mean, at this point, wouldn't you, I guess if, if I'm the, and I'm not, I'm not any kind of law enforcement person, but there's no way I would ever close this case as an accidental death. No. Now, from what I understand, the case is still open, mm-hmm. right? They haven't closed it. It's not no, a. No, I think they did close oh, it. Oh, they did close it. Unless they've warms. reopened it. Yeah, because I mean, there's. Yeah, and that's the if you rule it an accidental death, then it's closed. That's true. I guess you got a point there, but if I guess now but now because everybody's talking about it, who knows a future they could in the future a be cold reopened. Case type yeah, thing. like a cold case file. Yeah, I think the real key is to find whoever this Andrew person actually is, the real mm-hmm. identity of this person. Um, my my hunch is now I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a. I'm not a scientist. I can't, I'm not a doctor. I, you know, I don't know what seven years of decomposition does to soft tissue. I can imagine it's, it's a lot. Mm -hmm. It mummifies, right? Now I know that he, the doctor had said, um, that there was no, 
signs of drugs, right? No drugs, no. Now, I would have to imagine that maybe not all drugs could have been tested on that because if there's no soft tissue and it's just hard, can't there have been some drugs that would have gone past the screening? You know, I don't know that well, answer. Yeah. And my hunch is, is that he meets this guy, right? They do, they develop a friendship. They both are into the same things. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I mean, I remember being that young, you dream, you think, oh, I'm going to be, I play guitar, you know, oh yeah, I'm going to be a rock star. Right. You know, so you meet people who are similar with that. Yeah. That train of thought. And, um, you know, he meets this guy, however he does. They develop a friendship. He goes out on these hikes and maybe they, whatever, they meet up. And for some reason or other, that night, that faithful night, he did something to piss this guy off. Or this guy is just. The guy was just planning right, to do it. Depraved in the first yeah. place. Got him in a position where he was not quite mentally stable. Now, I don't know if that was with drugs. I don't know if that was with alcohol. I um, could have just drug it, drugged him to make it easier. Right. Now, mm-hmm. obviously, he didn't hit him, punch him. Oh, they may have, you know, as far as physical damage, there was no stabbing. Obviously, yeah, there was nothing like that. Right. And no gunshot no, wound no or anything wounds. like that. So it doesn't look like he, he killed him in that sense. Now, keep in mind, no. this is all conjecture. We don't know this for sure. Well, how are you going to do that and then get them? I mean, unless he did it right there at the chimney and then just stuffed him down. But right. there was no, like, marks in that way. Right. You know, no broken bones. As far as like breaking his neck or something like that. I mean, the lower half was <laughs> separate from jamming, you know, down in the fireplace. Right. But, um, I mean, he could have just pushed him down head first. I don't know. I, I would I would think that'd be the only way that would happen. Now, mm-hmm. obviously, this was premeditated. Oh yeah, it was de- definitely premeditated. You know, the- this was not a p- a passion thing. No, because there was too much planning. That's what I said earlier. Like, even for suicide, it's just too much. Right. You know. Right. Um, this was definitely you know psychopaths like to do stuff like this. They like to plan out their little steps because right. it, it gives them some kind of satisfaction. And it sounds like this guy, if it was this guy or whoever this person was, is definitely. One of those type of people, like a sociopath, psychopath, because they love their little rituals. Sure. And this sounded very ritualistic. Well, I mean, it's like, and I hate to 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 equate this to something on TV or movies, but you think about Dexter, right? Mm-hmm. Dexter had That's his. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, he was yeah. he was a psychopath. He had this thing. He had his rituals. He went through everything. Mm-hmm. It sounds like from the stuff that we read. This guy kind of has a motive. He, he does yeah. the same thing over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. He gets the thrill and it makes him feel good when he kills someone. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and this poor boy, the way he hit and he suffered. That's for, heartbreaking. For at least a couple days. I would imagine from like the description, it probably was hypothermia. Sure. First. Well, I mean, he had a thermal shirt on, you know, and that's it. Yeah. But I, it was, I mean, it. 20 some degrees that's below freezing and so what is you would know this more so once you reach that state of starting to freeze do we know what the body feels so when you start going through that sort of um that sort of trauma your body Mm -hmm. does react so it starts what they call a shunting process it doesn't deliver as much blood to your extremities it's trying to shove everything into the core 
to keep it warm, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And as that happens, other appendages start to go. um, Things things obviously go very sideways. And you have a very limited time from the moment that starts till death. The other thing you have to remember is he's upside down. And that adds a completely new level of, of complexity to it. Because now not only is his blood shunting to his core, it's pulling up. Mm. So what could have happened, uh, granted, it's still limited to what I think could have happened, but with that much blood rushing to the head, it increases intracranial pressure. He may have, I hope, that would have gotten him first. Something would have happened um, you know, internally to get to take what him. What do you mean? Like a brain bleed? Well, yeah, maybe an aneurysm, like something like that, a brain bleed. Um, with that much intracranial pressure, uh, I would hope, because I would think that would be a very fast fast way to go. And without going too much into personal, I've had a brain bleed. It's very, very fast. You're gone. Mm-hmm. And if there's any, if there's any kind of comfort, I would hope that that was the case, because I would hate to have thought this this poor kid dangling upside down, knowing at that point he's probably a done for. Yeah. Because um, you know you can't get out. Because his extremities are frozen at this point, so he right. can't even get out if he wanted to. No. He couldn't, can't, couldn't use them to no. try to climb. And just, yeah, so you had asked what does the body do? The body is going to fight to stay alive, but it also reaches a point where I would think he would go into shock. Um, I pray he just doesn't, didn't feel anything anymore, right. like feel the cold or feel. Well, there is a point when it gets too cold, you don't feel that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been people that have been, uh, that have gone to like, you know, lakes and stuff that were frozen that have fallen in and for all means and purposes passed away, but they were able to be revived. Right. Um, and a lot of them will say of what they do remember, um, once they reach that threshold of, of freezing to death, a lot of things shut down and I don't think they feel that part of it anymore. Um, and I, and I know this is such small scale, but you know, we went to, have you ever ever gone to like one of the, the Titanic, uh, exhibitions, whether it's in Branson or in, um, I think they have one in Pigeon. No, no, you're right. It was in Las Vegas. They usually have a mock-up of what the water felt like, whether it be like an ice cube or whatever. Mm -hmm. And if you stick your hand in there, it, it literally feels like knives jab. I think I, because they make you count. I think I only made it like four seconds. Yeah. So I was like, no, this is not worth it. I don't yeah. think I fared much better. Mm-hmm. So your body does at some point, it'll start shutting down yeah. certain things. Yeah. And I pray, I pray that's what happened. You know, yeah. um, should anybody of his family watch this show or, or watch this particular video? Um, you know, I know we've said a lot of things in here and we talked about the disposition of your loved one. And I'm, I'm terribly sorry. You know, it's just talking about, uh, you know, trying to bring light to the situation that happened to, to Joshua. So, um, you know, it it's awful. Um, so it's, it's still unsolved. However, yeah. I would definitely, after what I've seen, that guy should be a number one suspect just from what people in the town have said. Yeah. Um, because a passerby is not just going to go through all that trouble. No. You know what I mean? Like somebody that's just like, you know, in most like serial killer stuff like that, they usually plan out what they want. But it was, it seems intimate. That's why I said yeah. it doesn't seem like somebody that's just like a stranger. This seems like somebody he probably knew that planned this whole thing yeah. out. Maybe he picked him out. Maybe. 
You know, maybe he was jealous of him. Oh, yeah, that's true. I mean, you never know. He he seemed like a well-liked kid. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe he's a better guitar player. You know, I mean, at this point, we don't, you know, it could right. be anything. Maybe he was jealous of the family that he had. We don't know about this right. other guy's family background. Maybe he, you know, came from a broken family, saw, you know, Josh was basically kind of him, except he had the family. Right. Okay, well, I'm going to take that away from him. You know what I mean? It could be that thought. Pro- I mean, you, you don't. You can't and you don't want to get inside these people's heads. No, I, I certainly the, don't. The way they think is just, yeah, messed up. But And that's living under the thought that this was a homicide, which Which I, I would is. imagine yeah. that is what it is. But in the end, this young man lost his yeah. life, went all the way through school, was getting ready to yeah. you know, start his own life, and the family lost two sons. That's the trap. That's really tragic, especially... You know, losing a family member at any stage of your life is awful. Yeah. But having just gone through, you know, unfortunate suicide for one brother and then have one go missing for seven years, you know, my heart really goes out to that family. Yeah. You it know, um, it it's tragic. Um, yeah. I Listen, if you guys are part of the family and you're out there, um, you know, I, I, my heart goes out to you. I, I don't know what mm-hmm. else to say, um, you know. Aside from that, if if you are out there and you want to talk or have your voice heard, by all means, you can reach out to us. Um, we're happy to do a, a another part of this if you want to talk about your your thought or your story behind it. Um, we're at info at gxparanormal.com. But feel free to reach out if you want to talk about it you, or just if you want to air. You know, we're not a therapist, but we're happy to hear. You know, mm-hmm. we can talk to you and, and definitely understand what that loss is like. But and tell us, folks, what do you think? I mean, yeah, what what happened to Joshua Maddox? Right. What did happen? Because, you know, we're just two people sitting here talking about this. But there's a whole world of you out there that that can maybe bring different thoughts into it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe you were there. Maybe you knew Josh. Maybe you know everything about this and you, you haven't been heard yet. Yeah, um, or you live the town over. Right. You know? Exactly. I mean, there's a million different scenarios. Yeah. But listen, other than that, guys, thank you so much for stopping by. Um, you know, it, it's a heart-wrenching one. Um, you know, granted, it's paranormal because of the disappearance. And quite frankly, just the the oddity of the entire situation is paranormal yeah. in itself. Um, you know, I know that a lot of people, you know, just think of, you know, ghosts and traditional paranormal things. But when you think about paranormal, this is, this is right up that alley. It is so bizarre that outside of the norm yeah Mm -hmm. outside of the normal paranormal (laughs) but (laughs) but it's just it it, i guess for me it is such a difficult thing for me to wrap my head around that this is where that case sits i know i feel like it just doesn't i don't know well i feel like i've heard of so many other cases that are still open on way less conjecture than this oh i know you know know. i mean and i think it was just it but you know it was enough not that long ago. No. And so, like, you sometimes these older cases, you're like, okay, they just passed them by, you know. Right. Um, because the lack of evidence, all this stuff. But, I mean, we're in the 2000s now. Yeah. So, I mean, I sound old. <laughs> well. <laughs> but we're in the 2000s now. But, I mean, you think, like, into, there had to be some kind of evidence. There had to be. But, but maybe it's because the cabin had already been partly demolished. So, that right. 
I'm guessing that's that's the crime scene at that point had been somewhat tampered with. But still, I mean, come on, deductive reasoning, a little analytics will tell you that it just doesn't add up. It doesn't pass a common sense test. Right. Right. But, well, anyway, guys, thank you. Thank you so much again for stopping by. Um, you know, we got some really good shows coming up that yeah, we're pretty we excited do. about. Um, so tune in. Again, like, subscribe, follow, any of those things. Um, and if you want to tell your story about anything outside of the norm, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, you can email us and we'll listen. You want to be on the show, we can you yeah, know, talk about that too. For sure. But we'll catch you next time and you guys have a good one. Bye, guys. Music by Carl Casey at White Bat Audio. Please check us out on Facebook at Generation X Paranormal Podcast. Also check out our website, gxparanormal.com. And if you want to reach out with any stories or anything you want to reach out to us for, uh, reach us at info at gxparanormal.com. And we'd love to hear from you. Thank you.